Dancing un- unto the Lord. And uh, I am really e- excited about this opportunity that we have in the, uh, the strong challenge. Um, I-, I truly believe as we commit ourselves um, to these practices together, to these opportunities together, that God will make us stronger together. Um, I-, I believe God wants to make us strong more than we want to be made strong. I mean, God wants us to, to be empowered for His pleasure and, and for the, the, the joy that fills us more than we even want it. So I know if, as we give ourselves to uh, being strong in Him, that God will answer because it is His desire for us um, to uh, be strong in Him. So that we're able to, to do what He would want us to do and be who He wants us to be. And I, I'm excited because I, we get to do this together. The, the thing that I've learned more and more and more in my life is how necessary one anothering is. Um, how necessary you are for me. Um, and how you are for one another to grow in Christ. So I'm excited about the opportunity, not only that over 250 of us from teenagers, high school students, to those most experienced in the faith are gathering together in small groups to, to engage in this strong challenge together, to help, to encourage one another. Just You can imagine that we're all getting strong. We're all on the bench press. You know, and we're benching and, and we're lifting the weight and everybody around us is screaming us on. Yeah, you know, if you've seen The Biggest Loser, you know, that's, that's the picture. Hopefully not with quite so much vehemence sometimes, but with an encouraging word. We, we need one another and not only us, but 40, over 40,000 Christians in our city and surrounding area. Who knows? What kind of, of growth, what kind of root growth you know, God will cause in us? What kind of strengths He will develop to, to see how His kingdom unfolds through this uh, process? So I am uh, really excited about this journey um, together. I had the um, uh, opportunity even of joining Monday with about 20 other pastors we gather on Monday mornings and we just share, encourage one another, challenge one another, pray together um, around how we're, going, we're, we're sensing and God leading us to address the, the topics for the day. Which for today, if you haven't figured out yet, is to play strong. And how necessary it is for us to, to play in order to be strong in the Lord. And our passage that we'll um, look at specifically is in the very beginning. Genesis 1, chapter 27, through the first couple verses of chapter 2. Invite you to turn there. Um, it's uh, on page 1. So easy enough, you have to get through the table of contents, then uh, you'll find it. I ask you to, this stage, so to bow your heads and to uh, pray um, with me. Dear gracious God, we ask in this time that you would be at work in us uh, to hear your word, 
to learn from you, to grow in you, to indeed enjoy you and to enjoy your creation. Take our our hearts and open them. Take our minds and, and fill them for your purposes, your plans, your joy. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So, you may not have noticed yet, but it's been a while since I took my robe off. <laughs> but one, you know, it's amazing how long it takes for people. You know, there'd be some that wouldn't even notice, you know, after uh, the, the whole, whole day. But you might be saying, well, why? Why is play? You know, why is he going to take off his robe and put on a Bengals jersey? Well, one, I mean, they do have a, 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 good, a good record. Yeah, yeah. So that's something to uh, be excited about. But I, I think as we look at our passage, we'll see how play in the Lord, how play, rest, enjoying God and God's creation is some of the essence for which God created us. Genesis uh, chapter 1, starting with verse 27. So God created humankind in His image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth. And every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that He had made. And indeed, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished in all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that He had done. And He rested on the seventh day from all the work that He had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that He had done in creation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Did you you, you hear just at the the end of chapter 1, that sixth day, the fullness of God's creation? You know, how everything was there for a purpose and was, there's such purpose, there's such meaning, there, there's such joy and fulfillment here. Go, be fruitful, multiply. Go, ha- have dominion over all, subdue it. All is there for you to enjoy, to sustain you. I mean, that is the, the beautiful picture of the the fullness of God and God's creation. Humanity in in full relationship with one another and relationship with their Creator. Truly, a, a place where God's creation was enjoying God and enjoying God's creation to the fullest. That's the picture of the garden. To have, really, fun in God with God, 
and for God. The passage we read at the beginning of our service today, Psalm 1611. You show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now, sometimes it's just good to stop and realize that God's gifts are not a test. <laughs> you know, they're, they're not some way that God gives us. All right, let me see how they're going to mess that up. Yeah, but God's gifts is, are pleasures for God's creation. That the truly pleasure in God is God's creative intent. To enjoy Him and to enjoy creation. As Presbyterians, some of you would have memorized the old Westminster Catechism. What is the chief end of man but to glorify God and enjoy Him forever? We Christians, we Christians get to lead the world in enjoying the fruits of our Creator. We get to lead the world in enjoying the gifts of God. We, we pray regularly, God, help us to celebrate you no matter the circumstances. And that's why. It's because there are no circumstances. As atrocious and pain-filled as the circumstances and pain of life that we can face, there is no circumstance that what can separate us from the love of God. So we get to lead the world in enjoying God and enjoying God's creation. Here from the author of Ecclesiastes, chapter 5, verse 18. This is what I have seen to be good. It is fitting to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun, the few days of life God gives us. For this is our lot. Likewise, all to whom God gives wealth and possessions and whom He enables to enjoy them and to accept their lot and find enjoyment in their toil, this is the gift of God. To enjoy the, the work of our hands, to enjoy the, the gifts of God. This is what the writer is telling us. And get this, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. As for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly, get this, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. That's what the scriptures say of how God has provided since the beginning. It's the, the essence of God's creation to give, but to give what is good, to give what is very good, and to give so that we enjoy God's creation in the good times or in the bad to enjoy God and God's creation to celebrate Jesus no matter the circumstances
that's God's design. That's his desire. What do you think robs us from that? What robs us from that, that joy? For me, I think it's worry. And I think that's why Jesus speaks to worry as much as he does. He says, don't worry. Don't, 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 don't worry about these things. Let them go. God is in control. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He, he feeds the birds. He clothes the flowers abundantly and beautifully. He will certainly take care of you. Do not worry. But rejoice. Rejoice in our Creator. I mean, consider even the life of Jesus. A a number of times that that He, you find Him. You know where you find Him? You find Him at parties a lot. And He's even been known to save a party. John chapter 2. Yeah, a huge wedding feast and they've run out of wine. And he turns water into wine. He saves the party. And, and not just saves it. Not just with, as I remember reading in one of my uh, college Bible studies, um, uh, we got this article saying how wine in Jesus' day was not really alcoholic. You know, it was like grape mash. You know? And I can understand why you would tell that to college students. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's probably wise, but it's, it's totally false. It, Jesus turned water into wine, the kind of stuff you'd buy up at Marty's up here. Not what we drink on Sunday morning, or at least not what we drink here on Sunday morning. He was even, in Luke chapter 7, one of the claims of the Pharisees against him was to call him a glutton and a drunkard. How could such a false claim be made against Jesus unless he was hanging out at parties, at the social events of the day? Now, was he a glutton and drunkard? No. But he had to be in those situations for for them even to make that claim against him. Jesus knew how to play, how to enjoy God and enjoy the fullness of God's creation. And if anybody had reason to be indignant, if anybody had reason to to, to lose hope, if anybody had reason to, to be sour to the world, it would have been Jesus who was God in the flesh and who was rejected by His people and was on His way to crucifixion. But he refused. He, he, he led us even in joy, in celebration. Now, I, I share with you this one and this last uh, passage around play. And this is biblical. Um, I hope, I, I, hope I, I do not offend, but if I do, by reading this, just know this is biblical. It's from the Song of Solomon. I ought to give you a little hint if you've ever read Song of Solomon. But this is God's written word to us. Conversation between two lovers, husband and wife. 
I say, I will climb the palm tree and lay hold of its branches. Oh, may your breasts be like clusters of the vine and the scent of your breath like apples and your kisses like the best wine that goes down smoothly, gliding over lips and teeth. I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. That's a picture of the pleasures that God has created for you, for husband and wife to enjoy together. A gift of God for the pleasure of God's people. Pleasures of life are created by God to be enjoyed, to be thankful to God, and to provide opportunity of rest from our toil and our labor and what happened in Genesis chapter 2 and 3 in the fall. The pleasures of God that we get to enjoy with one another. Now, I think if you read on in chapter 1 of Genesis, you see the, as well the call to rest. Not only a call to play, but a call to rest. And that's you know, the seventh day. It, it says something that right after all is created that then God rests and that all rest with Him and how significant and important that is. And play and rest are really just a word to say that a way that we disengage from work. That there are all kinds of helps and opportunities, ways that we engage a whole bunch of other things. If I could have brought a boat in here, I would have, but it just be too hard. You know, or bicycles or walking or just the beauty of these days to play and rest in God are absolutely necessary. You know, our, our uh, resident um, triathlete, um, Mike Enderley, I asked him some about, you know, just about rest or um, as we were talking about this, this need of rest and play in terms of, of training, in terms of being strong. This is what uh, Mike said. In athletics, especially endurance events, it has been shown that rest recovery is important, if not one of the most important elements in the training cycle. It has to be built in and part of the routine for any endurance athlete. Do you hear that? It doesn't just happen. It's not something where you just let it happen when it happens, but the rest, the play, it has to be built in in order for our bodies to recover. I mean, God's known that from the beginning, that we need that time of disengaging. Or, he says, like any endurance athlete, we can over train in being strong I mean you might be saying alright well I get it All right, there's a place to play and rest what does that have to do with being strong it's absolutely essential that we take time to disengage from our work simply to enjoy God and God's creation it is a necessary part of our plan we hope to give ourselves fully to the training of being strong in God and we hope to give ourselves fully then to play and rest in Him also. Now I have to tell you that um, I find this most difficult because I'm driven. I'm a firstborn male 
from the south. I'm driven. I want to get it done. I have to accomplish it. And that's one of the great gifts that God gave me in my wife who knows how to play. That's just how she breathes. What a gift. Every time I go away for like a week or something like that, I come back and I'm like, man, I would really be boring. I would be a stick in the mud if it weren't for you and it weren't for the kids. On, on the last, uh, was two Saturdays ago, I tried one of the, the exercises that you'll get the opportunity to try this week, and it was to sleep in. I don't do that well. I really don't. You know, I mean, I, I, I sleep in, but you know what happens is I wake up. It's like I go through withdrawal. That sad. I went through withdrawal. I mean, I had a headache. I was in a bad mood. I was snapping at everybody. And I'm like, oh, so much for this rest and play. And I realized it's because I don't know how to do it. And I hadn't done it in who knows how many weeks. And that's a sin. I mean, it's one of the Ten Commandments to practice the Sabbath, right? To rest. I, you know, and you wake up, and, and the, the, the problem is you start going through your mind when, when you're sleeping in. Oh, what am I forgetting about doing? You know, what is not going to happen today because I'm sleeping in this morning? You know, what, what's, what's not going to... And you know, isn't that just great then to realize, whoa, man, this is all about me, isn't it? Somehow I became God. That things aren't going to happen unless I do them. And this, the whole rest and play, it, for me, helps me disengage and recognize, well, wait a minute, this is not about you. You are not God. But it takes that intentional action on my part. Some of you may be more natural at playing and you're just ready to come get one of these balls and kick it around and throw it around and see if you, out from how far you can make a basket and all the rest. Others of you may be more like me, and that just causes you levels of anxiety. But to play, to rest in the Lord, is, I'll leave you this last biblical metaphor and picture, it is the language of heaven. And consider all the times that we engage with heaven on earth, when, when someone repents, when someone comes to Christ, what, what happens? What happens in the heavens? The angels rejoice. They celebrate. They give high fives. They they bring out the best cakes. They celebrate. The angels, heaven celebrates when one comes to repentance. To play, to enjoy, to celebrate is the language of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. Jesus tells a lot of parables about the kingdom of heaven. And what's often, what does he say? Kingdom of heaven is like a party. Where they go and invite people and not enough people come. So they then go into the highways and the byways and invite them all to the party. That's the kingdom of heaven. To celebrate, to play is the language of heaven. And what's the, the final picture look like when you read the book of Revelation? When, when the, the church is raised up and gets and, and then is brought face to face with her master and Lord and Savior, what is it like? It is like a wedding feast. The, the bride we are are then reunited with the bridegroom who is Jesus and a celebration ensues. 
with gorgeous, beautiful jewels and wondrous celebration. It is the language of heaven. I tell you, when that became most clear to me was at uh, the morning of my own wedding. I, uh, I told you, I, I can be a fuddy-duddy around these things. And I'm like, man, people all worried about what the colors are and people all worried about flowers and all that kind of... Yeah, the, one with the, the, soon, the most recent wedding was relating to me, huh? You know, and all that kind of stuff. That's not what's important. What's important is the marriage and forever. All the money we spend on that kind of stuff. And that morning, I don't know why, but God does. Well, now I know why. God led me to Revelation to read that that morning. And it was a picture of that wedding feast to come. And no expense was spared for that wedding feast. Go in and read it. And it was jewels, priceless jewels everywhere. Colors, the kaleidoscope of colors everywhere shining. And it was a celebration beyond celebration. And God told me in that moment, I felt in my own spirit, God saying, would you just chill out and get over yourself and enjoy the moment of this beautiful wedding? And let the flowers and the colors and the dresses remind you of just how Gorgeous my creation is. This week, this week, our, our, our opportunity is to, to live and engage with one another in the language of heaven. I hope and pray you don't need as much help as I do. But that you will see, that God will provide and lead you to see just the joy and the beauty of His creation from beginning to end. Amen.